Good morning, everyone watching on BAM YouTube here live. Let me know in the comments where you are tuning in from. The, the Hashi covers what you need to know about the real estate industry in a 24-hour time period. And on today's Hashi, I will discuss the February's pending home sales, housing markets that are cooling the fastest, and the commission's lawsuit that could change the industry. Today is March 30th. It's a Thursday, 2023. I am Byron Lazine, and the Hot Sheet starts now. Okay, before we get into the drama of the day and the big update on this commission lawsuit, which could change the way agents and brokers are compensated forever, let's jump into where our sales are at. We touched it briefly at the end of yesterday's hot sheet as the news was released at 10 a.m. yesterday from NAR. And let's dive right into it. Pending home sales grew for the third straight month, up 0.8% in February. This, again, just released yesterday. Uh, month over month, contract signings increased in three U.S. regions. I'll tell you what, what they are, but declined in the West. Pending home sales decreased in all four regions compared to one year ago. Okay, so uh, nationally, year over year, pending home sales are down. I'll give you those numbers here in just a second. And in all four regions, year-over-year year, pending sales are down, as expected. We saw those signals in quarter three and quarter four. We wouldn't expect anything other than that. But we did see that one uh, tick up from January of 0.8%. That's the third consecutive month that is showing some signs uh, that we've hit the bottom there potentially as we go into the spring market, or it's showing us a sign that, hey, it's just the spring market. We're going to have a little tick up and we have more pain to come in quarter three and quarter four like we did last year. Certainly possible. I'm not discounting that. Okay. Uh, before looking at an indicator of sales based on contracts, which is the pending home sales index, PHSI for NAR, it improved that 0.8% to 83.2 in February. Uh, the year over year pending sale transactions decrease was 21.1% nationally. An index of 100 is equal to the level of contract activity in 2001. Okay. So more of a, a normal market before, you know, all that run up happened. So we're at 83.2. We're less than 17, just under 17 points off of contract activity dating back to 2001. After nearly a year, the housing sector's contraction is coming to an end said NAR Chief Economist Lawrence Yun. Uh, existing home sales, pending contracts, and new home construction, pending contracts have turned the corner and climbed for the past three months. All right, let's take a look at uh, what the data actually looks like. This is will be, everything will be available that I have for you down below in the daily download sheet. If you just hit that link once, you're gonna get every slide on these shows emailed to you every single day. And you'll also get all of our sources and links to all of the articles in one place sent to you every day, whether you're on the show or not. Housing snapshot, pending home sales, February 2023. You can see that the Northeast month over month was the big winner. The Northeast is at 6.5% increase from 
January to February on pending home sales. Now the Northeast is well off of the national number uh, for the index of 83.2. The Northeast sits at 72 and a half. So playing catch up with the nation. The Midwest is above the national index at 84.9. Only saw a month over month increase of 0.4% below the national increase of 0.8%. The South, well above the national index and the uh, other three region regional indexes. The South's at 99.3 on the index. So basically in line with 2001 contract activity, even today and month over month, you saw a 0.7% increase. So the South is performing quite well uh, in consideration of the interest rates. Obviously, Texas, we know, has gotten beaten up, uh, but Texas is included in that number. Okay, The West uh, took it on the chin, down 2.4%, the only region that was down from January to February. And you can see that their index is the lowest of the four regions, 64.6. This is typical in a housing recession, in a housing correction, where the West will feel the majority of the pain early on. And you will see places like the Northeast be last to feel that pain. I talked about it on, I believe on the real word, maybe a little bit here, where I think that what the Northeast needs to uh, worry about is incoming tax assessments, okay? I think we did cover it a little bit here on the real word, or on the uh, hot sheet, rather, as well as the real word. Uh, once they reassess the taxes from the last couple of years in places like the Northeast where they're already incredibly high, that could create some you know, uncertainty. It always does every time, and, and people will list their homes and look for greener pastures, which could be good for the inventory, but certainly would... Uh, reduce the value of these homes. All right, looking at uh, just the bar graph here of February U.S. and regional pending sales side by side. It's available for you if you want to grab it up, of course, in the daily download link below. U.S., this is using the index number, the 83.2 versus the 105.5 of last year. So we were over that 100 number in the U.S. last year. Again, 100 is the level of 2001 contract activity. Pending sales are, of course, sales going into agreement. Northeast, 72 versus their 87.3 last year. Midwest, 84.9 versus the 101 from last year. The South was at 126.8 last year, just ripping, and now down to 99.3. And the West is off of their mark of 90 to the 64.6. Let's look at what these numbers actually look like, okay? Uh, you've got here uh, everything that is seasonally adjusted on the left, okay? So these are still the index numbers. Uh, we're down 21.1% from last year as a nation and the 0.8%, 83.2 in February. Our low point was 75.5% in November. Okay. So we have had those three months of increases and the only three months in a row that we had seventies was October, November, and December of last year. Makes sense. Quarter four was brutal. Okay. The not season adjusted numbers would put us at 74.1 right now, but way up from January's 64.5. Okay. Uh, 
versus last month, we would actually be up if you didn't use the uh, seasonally adjusted numbers, 14.9%. Okay. Uh, again, still down 21.1% on the year. So those numbers are exactly the same from seasonally adjusted to not seasonally adjusted. This is obviously what we expected to see coming into the spring market. Uh, or I, I could say, hey, if interest rates were seven and a half, eight, maybe we wouldn't be expecting these increases, but with where rates are and the seasonality of the business and the demand that we know that we have in housing at the median price points that is pent up. And we did a deep dive on where the buyers are coming from in 2023 on yesterday's hot sheet. I rarely say go back and take a look at yesterday's, but you should. Uh, that report that NAR put together was substantial. The generational report, boomers are now the biggest buyer demographic out there. Uh, they're also the biggest seller demographic. So 2023 boomers are going to make up the majority of these four and a half million transactions, four and a half million transactions equals 9 million sides. So while year over year numbers are down considerably, 9 million sides to go around. If you're an agent, hit the thumbs up. That's a good sign for 2023 for those that are committed to their business and committed to adding extreme value into their communities. So those are the pending home sales. Again, daily download with all of our links are, are available and you can grab those and use those as you wish. Let's switch over to the markets that are cooling the fastest in 2023. This is on nowbam.com and it's a Redfin report. Uh, the latest Redfin report ranks U.S. metros with housing markets that have cooled down the fastest from February 22 to February 23. All right, so good time to look at this off of the heels of NARS report. And here are the 10 markets cooling the fastest right now. We have Austin, Texas at number one. Uh, I've been on Jeremy Knight's channel. He does a great channel covering Austin. And uh, I think he would second this. His data is showing us that that is the case. Seattle, Phoenix, Tacoma, Washington, Denver, Las Vegas, Stockton, California, San Jose, California, Sacramento, and Oakland. So four California cities from seven to 10. Those are the 10 housing markets that are cooling the fastest. Let me know if you're in one of those markets yourself. And then here are the 10 housing markets that are holding strong. You have Hartford, Connecticut, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, New Haven, and Bridgeport, Connecticut at three and four. So three of the four uh, you know, cities on this list were in Connecticut. Now, if you've been to Hartford, New Haven, or Bridgeport, I've been to all three, you might say, Byron, those aren't cities. Well, I mean, Milwaukee is a city, but, but here's a theme here that's going to be reminiscent on this entire list. It's these smaller cities, if you will. Uh, I mean, I think you, Hartford, you got to consider it somewhat of a city, <laughs> uh, but it's the smaller uh, cities for sure. So Hartford, Milwaukee, New Haven, Bridgeport, Albany make up the top five, four of the top five being in the Northeast, Rochester, Lake County, Illinois, McAllen, Texas, Wilmington, Delaware, and then Chicago, Illinois, make up six through 10. Uh, so if my math's correct there, five of the top 10 are in the Northeast. And that kind of makes sense, right? The market's 
holding strong. Five of the 10 are in the Northeast. And we just took a look at NARS report on the pending home sales that was just released yesterday, where the Northeast did the best from January to February with that six and a half percent increase. Okay. So these national headlines at time will show you a number of down 21 plus percent year over year. And if you're in the Northeast, you're probably going to want to talk about the month over month, six and a half percent, right? That'll bring a buyer's expectations back to reality of where you are locally. Certainly, I think if you're in the West right now, there's there's an opportunity to be a little bit more aggressive from the buy side in your advice. And certainly if you're an investor uh, who is looking yourself, looking yourself or working for yourself could become more of the norm on the buy side. A big piece of news was released yesterday. The commission's lawsuit that we've been tracking in the real estate industry, certainly agents and brokers have been tracking it, is now a class action, greatly increasing its slope. I'm reading from realestatenews.com. A judge ruled that the Morell suit would now cover all sellers who paid commissions to named companies over a five-year period, plus current and future sellers. Okay, so this is like time-stamped and then everything happening right now here in today's spring mo uh, market. Uh, it's a lawsuit that could change the way agents and brokers get paid. It has now been declared that class action lawsuit. This was just announced by the judge yesterday. Uh, plaintiffs in the Morrell versus National Association of Realtors et al. case say they were damaged because they paid a cost, the buyer's agent commission, that would have been paid by home buyers in a competitive market. Judge Andrea R. Wood ruled today that in addition to the handful of people who sued in 2019, this is how long we've been talking about this lawsuit, the outcome of the lawsuit will cover cover home sellers who paid a commission between March 16th, 2015 and December 31st, 2020 to specified companies and MLSs, as well as those current and future sellers engaged with those entities. Uh, so you would expect those entities, which are NAR, Realogy, now anywhere, Home Services of America, Remax, and Keller Williams being the defendants, you would expect that those brokerages in these areas are going to put out some type of significant disclosure that sellers are going to sign right now because we don't know what the outcome is it's going to be. By the way, if you're in, if you're with uh, Home Services of America, Remax, KW, or uh, one of these Anywhere brands that is in uh, this area, this this um, there's 20 MLSs, in, including Bright MLS, Stellar MLS, uh, which are also named as defendants, and and two of the larger, uh, some of the largest MLSs in the country. Uh, if you're in one of those markets, because this doesn't cover the entire country, okay, it's not going to cover every seller in every market. It does include hundreds of thousands of agents, uh, millions of track uh, of, of transactions, of course. And if you're in that group. Just drop in the comments. Have, have you seen any new disclosures from the board or from your brokerage specifically? Uh, this ruling is a substantial negative blow 
to the defendants because it essentially guarantees that it will go to trial. So this is this is happening. It is going to trial, uh, says Russ Cafano, CEO of Colabra Technology. Cafano has served as an attorney, an industry legal counsel. A class certification usually precedes settlement discussions. But in this case, due to the sheer enormity of the damages claims, it seems unlikely that Cafano would be the representative for NAR. NAR will have to go out there and get some big boys to and big girls to defend the case. We are disappointed in the decision, said NAR VP of Communications, Mantle Williams. Pro-competitive, pro-consumer, local MLS broker marketplaces ensure equity, efficiency, transparency, and market-driven pricing options for home buyers and sellers. Williams described the current compensation structure, having the listing broker pay the buyer broker's compensation as a win for consumers, saving sellers time and creating a larger pool of buyers. Now, I'll get into my take on this in a second. For buyers, these marketplaces save them a burden of extra cost of closing. Uh, obviously, it allows them to, the big thing is it allows buyers to wrap these costs into their mortgage into their loan. Uh, we do have a comment here. Laura, we already have a new addendum for buyers and conversations around this as of last year for our NWMLS. Uh, love to know what ML MWMLS is. I'm, I'm not familiar personally. Maybe I am. Uh, if I have the other spelling, love to know what it is. It's been a good way to explain how we are all compensated. Okay. So it's, so it's breaking it down. Uh, Brad says in California, Carr has just put out six new forms related to buyer representation and compensation in anticipation of this happening. So it sounds like Carr is ahead of the game. Uh, I see Laura's comment there about the attorneys are being the same ones who represented Big Tobacco. That is uh, the attorneys that have just got this to be a class action lawsuit. Those are going to be the ones that NAR is going up against. Northwest Multiple Listing Service. Thank you, Laura. I appreciate that. Uh, appreciate your insight on that as well. So I think the smart boards, uh, NAR certainly in the smart brokerages, uh, should be putting in language right now. That That is for sure something. It doesn't mean that somebody can't do this and go back, you know, in time. Okay. And this is the second class action lawsuit now that the real estate industry is faced with. A similar lawsuit, Burnett versus the National Association of Realtors, formerly Sitzer versus NAR was also filed in 2019 and declared a class action lawsuit just one year ago in April 2022. However, Burnett is limited to Missouri, while Morell, the one we just discussed and the one that was filed a class action lawsuit officially yesterday, would affect commissions in many states. The defendant list is the same. It's NAR and the four largest real estate enterprises. And the suit uh, also names several Missouri-based MLSs in the um, in the Burnett class action lawsuit. This Morell one, uh, let me see if I have the states here handy. Morell versus NAR, which states? Uh, da, da, da. Let me see if I have that information. I know for sure like the Northeast and the Southeast are not involved. I don't think... Pretty certain California's not involved. Uh, there's 20 of these major MLSs. If you're if you're in a state that is bright or stellar, you know that you know your your state 
is certainly involved. Uh, okay, I don't how many states. To, okay, I don't have that in front of me. Maybe I'll get that and, and we can update that tomorrow. Uh, okay, there you go. All right, so here, here's where I'm at on this. You know, I think either way, when you go through the process of a trial, if it gets to trial, right? It, it, I mean, they're saying it's almost a guarantee now that we'll go to trial. It'd be hard to believe that there's going to be some type of settlement. I mean, why why would the you know all these sellers settle? They're not going to make any money. I mean, even if it's an enormous number, you're going to have an enormous amount of sellers that kind of jump into this. What are they all going to get? Twelve dollars. So a settlement seems unlikely to me. It just does. I mean, un unless the uh, you know, the attorneys pull one over so that they can get paid these big tobacco t attorneys or, or whoever these people are. Right. So a settlement seems unlikely. So when you go through trial, whether NAR and the four major enterprises come out on top or they don't, there's going to be a, you know, a significant amount of attention on this topic when it goes to trial more than it's been since 2019 to now. The minute it goes to trial is, is when the consumer really starts paying attention. And so this will bring up extra discussions around the topic. Not that these discussions aren't already happening and not that sellers aren't comfortable paying the buyer commission, uh, you know, because that is, you know, sellers are paying the listing agent, the listing agent's paying out the buyer agent. Okay. Now I believe in the agent. I believe the majority of the agents are doing a very good job of explaining to sellers this process and that sellers are making a decision in a competitive environment to move forward with that option. They don't have to, okay? It's not, not being forced on them, but that's the case that the defendants are making. But there will be some changes. There will be opportunities uh, for brokerages and other models to create alternatives. We have seen how discount alternatives have worked out for decades. They just haven't. People still want a high level of service. And when educated, when advised on what that high level of service and all of the you know options on how to deliver it are explained to a seller, they typically make the decision to work with an agent and they typically make the decision to handle the commission in this fashion. It's going to allow a buyer to pay more for the house if they can finance their buy side commission. And we know that uh, based off of yesterday's report that we went through on the hot sheet, 86% of buyers are going to use an agent. They want to use an agent. They want to have representation in the process. This is why this show is so important. This is why having the data at your fingertips every single day is going to be critical moving forward. There will be two classes of real estate agents when all of this shakes out, uh, when this recession that we're going to potentially go through shakes out, and when, more importantly, these two lawsuits all shake out and the dust settles. There are going to be door openers and order takers that get a fee for their services as real estate agents, and then there's going to be those agents who are the knowledge broker. Check out at Knowledge Brokers Podcast if you want more information on that who are really being an educator to their clients, who are somebody who has the experience to make an impact on the transaction.
who knows more information than the consumer. Far too often, buyers are bringing information to their buyer agent instead of that agent doing the work for them and showing them that they're an expert in the field. Agents' jobs are not to wait for showing time requests, nor are they to wait for showing tour requests. Agents' jobs are to be the expert in the community. And that class of agent, no matter what happens, will always protect their commission because they are earning it. There will be a lot more to come on this story. And if you're one of those agents, which I'm certain you are, if you're here on the hot sheet, first of all, hit the thumbs up. Even if you're not an agent, hit the thumbs up in support of the great agents across America. There are many, many of them. And if you want to continue to build your brand, because you know you're going to do the right thing. You're going to have the knowledge. You're going to be that advisor that can demand the commission that you deserve. Make sure you're building that brand with the BAM green screen ebook, Mastering the Green Screen. In this BAM ebook, we dive into how to use the green screen screen mode and with confidence so you can create amazing videos that captivate your audience. We walk you through everything you need to do on the green screen to get the most traction on Instagram and or TikTok right now. Also, we have an ebook. If you go to our ebook tab on the website, that gives you video equipment for every budget. So it could be a nice handoff with this. Uh, make sure you're continuing to invest in you to separate yourself in the market from everybody else. Uh, let's see what the 10-year is doing. Hopefully, it's separating to the downside today. And it's not. Of course, it's up a tick again, just like yesterday. So 3578 uh, is the 10-year right now. 30-year ended the day up at 6.61. Really funny uh, I retweeted if you're if you're follow follow me on Twitter if you're on Twitter by the way I'm I'm uh, pretty active on Twitter throughout the day at Byron Lazine. NAR Research put out following the ten year yield trend. The NAR Research is obviously not watching the hot sheet by the way. Uh, let me actually I'll put up this. I'll put up oh and I do have another uh, piece of information that just came out on the economy that I'll share. So if you get if uh, you want to stick with me I'm going to cover that here in just a second. Uh, let me just get this up on the screen for you guys. I want to show you this. This is hilarious because if you're watching the hot sheet every single day, you're following the 10-year, okay? You're following the 30-year fix. So NAR Research yesterday says, following the 10-year yield trend, mortgage rates will likely remain below 6.5%. And you can see the date here. This is March 29, 2023. This is yesterday. There is some calming in the market after two weeks of panic from the recent bank shock with banks stepping in, blah, blah, blah. Although the 10-year Treasury yield rose from last week, it's still near 3.5 following the 10-year Treasury. Yes, it was still near 3.5. Mortgage rates will likely remain 6.5%. Okay, dated yesterday, will likely remain 6.5%. So I uh, basically retweeted that. Let me get to my Twitter here. Okay, I retweeted that and just said the 30-year mortgage rates have been over 6.5 all of this week. I mean, come on, guys. What, I mean, you've got the information at your fingertips. What did you write this thing last week when they when they weren't over 6.5? You can clearly see here we're at 6.54 Monday, 6.6 on Tuesday, and 6.61 yesterday. The 10 years up today. So NAR, hint, 10 years up. It'll probably be up over 6.61 a little bit today. 
if you, you probably wrote this thing last week and just slapped the date on there of yesterday because they would have been right last week. We have we were below 6.5. Anyway, uh, we got to keep watching that 10-year day-to-day. If you want to actually be the knowledge broker in your market, know the information as it changes. This is a volatile year, 2023. This isn't the 2020, uh, 2001 year, certainly isn't 2021, but it's not that 2001 normalized uh, pace that we spoke about when we were, when we were covering NARS uh, pending home sale numbers. This is 2023. This, this is a different playbook than we've seen in recent memory. All right. Uh, today we've got the walkthrough. Uh, yeah, the walkthrough is going up at 5 p.m. Premier and then I think Tessa Bella and Jason Cassidy are joining Dan O'Neill and the return of the broke agent from his ever so long honeymoon. He's back refreshed and ready to go. He's got a lot to say on the walkthrough. And uh, I think that's it. I think that's all we've got. Hit the hit the uh, ebook down below if you'd like that. And until tomorrow, I'll see you then. Toodaloo.